welcome back to the pulpit. Um, we're really enjoying this. Hope that you are as well. Uh, this week we are continuing on in our study through the Sermon on the Mount. Dad has been sort of section by section going through this sermon that Jesus presented to his followers on this um, mountainside and basically addressing currently hard topics, hard issues that Jesus presented and uh, sort of tackled head on and addressed these things very simply, very black and white. And Sunday's message was incredible. Uh, The subject that we dealt with on Sunday that Jesus addresses is the subject of lust and um, sexual immorality. And it was just a very convicting, um, confronting lesson in a, in, a, in a very good way. It was emotional, and I believe that there will be some fruit come from this teaching. And so the scripture is Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 30, and it's actually where you get the, that famous passage where Jesus is talking about if your right eye causes you to sin, and if your arm causes you to sin, cutting it off, and you know how that kind of gets thrown around a lot today in church and in culture. But um, Dad Sunday, you kind of opened this message on something that I think took everyone by a little bit of a surprise that you don't necessarily see f- sort of in front of your face in the text, which is um, decency and modesty. And you touched on this as a sort of a header leading into the meat of the message, and it was actually very eye-opening and challenging, but also very, um, it was a blessing. And so I don't know if you want to talk on that. That was your first point on Sunday, which was radical decency. And so you asked a question and then answered that question, which was, does God actually care about what I wear? And it's not a just a female issue. It's also a male issue. It's male and female both. So touch on that a little bit. Talk about radical decency. Does God really care about what I wear, presenting myself to the world? What does that look like in Scripture, and how important is, is that to us? Well, we live currently in a sexual revolution that is not so much trying to push moral boundaries as they are trying to destroy them. We're kind of deconstructing God's design for sexuality. And sort of creating this new norm where sexual satisfaction is supposed to be every person's fundamental right. And while I was studying for this section of the Sermon on the Mount, I really felt impressed to talk about decency, uh, this radical decency. Does God care what I wear or what I give the appearance of outwardly? And He does. Uh, decency has to do with uh, clothing, but it also has to to do with how I present myself uh, outwardly. Uh, I'm supposed to be in this cooperative uh, taking on an appearance that is pleasing and honoring to God. Uh, Modesty was not an issue with Adam and Eve. Sin made covering... uh, nakedness necessary and God in mercy put clothes on Adam and Eve and so when you live in a a culture that repeatedly feels the need to uh, 
expose themselves, uh, wear very little clothing, if to none, they're giving this sense that they're not ashamed before God anymore. There's nothing that they need to be ashamed about. You know, Adam and Eve hid themselves because they were naked. And God said, who told you you were naked? You know, and so God clothed them. And so when you've got a culture that kind of parades around like this, and so with Christians, it, it is uh, important. Uh, you know, modesty is not just a woman's issue. It's a man's issue. Uh, it's an offspring of humility. It's people who, who are trying to find their identity and, and define themselves. And we are told in Romans 13, 14, that we are to put on Christ every day. So my faith, my, my, my faith should influence my outward life as much as it does my inward life. My faith is to kind of influence every aspect of my life, you know, uh, Colossians tells us in, in, in Colossians chapter 1 that Christ is to have preeminence in all things. And I think that means every part of my life, whether it's inward, whether it's outward, what I wear, how I present myself, Christ has got to be preeminent. And so when it comes to the issue of lust, we live in a society where there is no shame anymore. That was really cool how you did that Sunday, how you actually took us back to the garden and tied how God clothed Adam and Eve into this lesson um, because that is a first res- that was the first response was shame embarrassment and they attempted to cover themselves and you kind of a- addressed this they attempted to cover themselves with something that was not good enough. And God had to step in and say, okay, because you have to be clothed now, I'm going to be the one to clothe you with something that is good enough. And so um, that was just a phenomenal point and a little eye-opener to modesty um, that I think we all really sort of needed. And so, um, yes, presenting ourselves to... And it's not even so much a, a, a thing of presenting ourselves to others. It's a presentation to the Lord and how we present ourselves to the Lord. How you would want to present yourself to the Lord is how you should want to present yourself to others. And so that was such a good lesson. And you talked a little bit about Job, actually, in the scriptures as well. And you don't typically assume or associate this this subject with someone like Job in the scriptures, but... You touched on Job a little bit, and you were talking about how when you're in the heat of suffering, you are very vulnerable to temptation. And I think people get frustrated and very hard on themselves because this may be something that they find themselves in a cycle, uh, this temptation cycle of they're fine for a while, they cut it off, you know, they do the the necessary things, they may even go to the extremes like we're going to talk about in a second. And then in just a couple of weeks or months or however long it is later, they find themselves back in this cycle or this, you know, giving into this temptation. And so when you said that on Sunday about how when you're in the heat of suffering, you're very vulnerable to temptation. I think that that related with a lot of people and it spoke to a lot of people because then you brought in this guy named Job who was very unexpected. I was not expecting you to bring in Job. 
And so I want you to touch on that a little bit as well and talk about that fact that how when you are vulnerable or when you're in the heat of suffering and things are beginning to sort of unravel, the tapestry is beginning to unravel a bit and the fringe is kind of shortening, where do we find ourselves in this spot where temptation is kind of just tsunamiing over us? Well... We often don't associate the book of Job with the subject of lust, but he did in chapter 31 deal with the issue of lust. If my heart, verse 9, has been enticed by a woman, or I have lurked at my neighbor's doorway, may my wife grind for another and let others kneel down over her, for that would be a lustful crime. Moreover, it would be an an iniquity punishable by the judgments, for it would be fire that consumes to Abaddon and would uproot all my increase. Now, of course, Job's giving a a rebuttal for the accusations that his friends are bringing against him that he has sinned and put himself in this situation that he finds himself in. But it brings up a very interesting uh, fact that when we are in a vulnerable, I mean, when we are in a, a season of suffering, when, our, when we're weak spiritually, we're weak physically, we have a tendency to drop our guard. We're vulnerable here. And we don't often uh, address that issue. We're always looking about how we can get out of it. But when we are the weakest, we tend to not be the strongest spiritually. Our senses are not firing on every cylinder to keep us aware of these temptations that can flood into our... In fact, you know, when you're suffering, you get kind of an attitude of, I'm I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. Who cares? I'm just going to give up. I'm going to throw in the towel. Uh, I'm going to give in to these urges. I, you know, I've been going through this so long. I I deserve this, this kind of, this self-entitlement mentality. You know, Job said uh, in verse number one, I've made a covenant with my eyes. How can I gaze at a virgin? You know, And then he goes on down to verse seven. He said, if, if my step has turned from the way or my heart followed my eyes or if any spot has stuck to my hands, I mean, people following their eyes, following their urges, following their passions. passions. And so we do have this tendency that when we are, going through extremes that we don't feel the need to be so guarded. Job almost sits up on this ash heap that he's sitting on in, in, this, in, in the dump, boils all over him, head shaved, and just takes this defense, you know, uh, when it comes to lust that uh, and that we all need to take, you know, in the, even in the midst of our suffering, we need to get up out of that and say, no, this is, I'm not going to give in to this. And so it, even Job dealt with it. Yeah, I can't even begin to tell you how awesome it was that you tied Job into that. I mean, a, a prime example of suffering at its max, I guess we could say, um, and how he, in the midst of that, still saying things like, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Like, what a saying just right there alone. What a thing to remind ourselves of that we who have gone into relationship with Christ, who have been saved by His grace and by His mercy, 
have been brought into this covenant where our entire body, our flesh, this temple that the Spirit dwells in, has made a covenant with God saying that, you know, what we watch, what we partake in, what we listen to, even what we eat. I mean, they address, you know, these scriptures address these things, how we have gone into covenant with these things and how suffering can bring us to a place of vulnerability and maybe weakness, but how we are called to be people of self-control, which is something that I want to talk about now, how Jesus addressed in the scriptures Talking about if your right eye is causing you to sin, then pluck it out and throw it away. And then he says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Now, if you read that, that's extreme. That's very extreme. And people read that and their thoughts are, is Jesus actually saying to me that if I can't stop looking at something that's sinful or if I can't stop doing something with my hands that are that's sinful, am I to literally cut my hands off or cut my eyes out and throw it away. You know, that's an extreme thing to read in scripture. So Jesus talking about these extreme um, responses to our sin and how Sunday you talked about how we as believers and as Christ followers are called to um, a, a life of living with extremes and how we're to take drastic measures in our lives to protect ourselves spiritually and so talk about that a little bit, because self-control is something that is, I believe, neglected and overlooked and undertaught in churches, is how we are people of self-control. And we aren't supposed to just live with this sense of, well, I can go do it, and then, you know, I got grace and mercy that's going to come up and sweep up after me and my mess and collect all the broken pieces. Um, no, self-control is something that's very important and is taught in Scripture often. So Jesus talking about the extremes here, how taking the extreme measures and drastic measures are actually what protects us, spiritually speaking. So I want you to touch on that a little bit and give us maybe some examples of extreme measures, drastic measures that you take personally when it comes to this subject of lust and, and sexual morality. I think the What's really sad is that we Christians have bought into this fundamental right message. This is your fundamental right uh, to enjoy, to find satisfaction. Uh, the normalizing of pornography, the acceptance of adultery, these, uh, the regularity of sexual immorality. You know, we're approving now of cohabitating together. Uh, we're standard. We're standardizing homosexuality, and we're becoming so desensitized to uh, sexual perversion that we find ourselves buying into this fundamental right, and 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 we can't buy into that message of our culture. This sexual revolution is not pushing things to the peripheral. It's looking to just absolutely destroy them, just just de- deconstruct them, and re reform this way of thinking that the only thing that we live for is self-gratification. We're like crate, we're like we're we're almost like animals who are just foaming at the mouth, craving, needing to be fed. And Jesus said, you have and and, and, and the key to this text in verses 29 and 30 is the word causes. Whatever's causing that, that 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 word just jumped out at me when I was studying this. I got to find causes here for this 
sin. And, and I think that's the problem. You know, uh, we have no problem talking about drinking. We have no problem, problem talking about drugs. Uh, we have no problem talking about abortion in our churches. But man, when you get on sexual sins, you get on lust, it becomes like a forbidden topic. And I think the reason that is is because it's hitting home. It's hitting a nerve. It's so secretive. It's so behind the scenes. You know, uh, I talked, you know, uh, Sunday about the window and the wall test. You know, uh, if people were to look at my behavior, you know, through the window, would they find it inappropriate or is my behavior needing to be shoved behind walls where nobody can see it? And so Jesus said, whatever that cause is, you, if, 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 if it's causing your eye to sin, if it's causing your hand to sin, you either pluck it out or cut it off. And you live by these extremes. You live guarded. You pull that thing out of your life. You cut yourself off from that, uh, Jesus said. Anything that stands between me and Jesus, tear it out, cut it off, get it out of the way. Anything that's causing me, Jesus is urging your strong self-control. It's self-mortifying. you got to get to that point where it just literally disgusts you to the point where I'm not going into the forbidden anymore. I'm done with it. And so me personally, uh, you know, uh, I make sure my wife has total access to everything I look at. I'm in this office for numerous hours at a time. Uh I, I make a conscience effort when it when it comes to uh, social media not to go on certain platforms because I know what's going to be filtered into that, and, and I don't want to be exposed to that. And, and it's like I said Sunday, Aaron, it all starts with a look. It's not the second and third look that gets you. It's the first look you even take, knowing that it's sitting there in your heart. Jesus said, listen, Make a covenant with your eyes, Job said, not to look. There's some things we can't look at. There's some things we there's some things we can't touch. There's places we can't go because it's dishonoring to God. And so Jesus said, wandering eyes are sensual eyes, and we need to, to control that. And uh when it comes to that. And 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 here's what Jesus is demanding here. And I'll and I'll turn it back over to you. Total honesty. That's the problem. People don't want to be honest with themselves because you know why? They like it too much. It's, it's, it's self-gratifying. It feeds something in them. And what they don't realize is they're not being honest with themselves. And they're believing this delusional lie that's being told to them. That, oh, this is, this is honest. This is innocent. This is harmful. When in all reality, it's destroying you from the inside out, lust is. Because Jesus said it's not a matter of whether you've done this. It's whether you feel this. It's a matter of what's going on in my imagination is, is the hard part, you know. And so, yeah, that's, that's what living by extremes are. You set the boundaries and you don't move them. You set them and leave them, you know. My wife is my biggest ally when it comes to purity, She's my only ally when it comes to purity, and I need that in my life. I have other men, but they're nothing like my my spouse being that ally that I need. And, and so that's something that's they're very important. So I need to learn to control myself. I need to learn to make some changes in my life, cut some things off that need to be cut off for the glory, for godliness, for honor, holiness for to God.
And I'll say this, as a student pastor, I see so many, almost, I would say 80 to 90% of our young people struggle with temptations or with even addictions in this topic of sexual sin, whether it be through pornography that they're exposed to at an early age and it's just kind of latched onto them, or maybe it's homosexuality or something that they see and that they are watching on social media. And so I um, have a huge burden for young people who are in this lust trap, in this lust cycle. And so if you're a parent of a teenager or a young person, you know, when we're talking about living with extremes and taking drastic measures, take responsibility and make a covenant not only with your eyes, but make a covenant with your children's eyes as well and say, listen, in this house, we're not going to watch certain things and we're not going to partake in certain things and listen to certain things and certain people. And um, you have social media, we're going to restrict access to your social media accounts and we're going to look at who you're following and we're going to look at what you're liking and what you're commenting on. and We're going to look at your YouTube search history. I mean, even to those and say, well, that, and people will say, well, that's just not me. That's me not trusting my children. And that's not what it is. That's you loving your children enough to say, I'm willing to go through drastic measures, to go to drastic measures to protect you and to protect your spiritual health and your spiritual growth because the devil is going to plaster anything and everything he can in front of children's and young people's eyes to lure them into this trap. And so take drastic measures with your children. I know that there's times whenever we're at home and Levi's running around and there's something on the TV and I'm just like, he can't understand what's on the TV right now. But in the same sense, we need to take measures and say that this is not something that needs to even be on in our house to begin with, let alone in front of our children. And so something that you should think about and consider, pray about it. It's not even really something you should pray about. It's just something that we're supposed to do. So, um, but this has been an awesome week. Um, Very tough subject, very tough subject. And so um, next week it only gets tougher and we can't wait for what the Lord is going to continue to do through this study. And if you really want to dig into this a little bit more and join us, then come see us on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. here at Northside Church as we continue this subject through hard topics in the Sermon on the Mount. Things just get better from here. So this is The Pulpit. We'll see you later. Mm-hmm.